This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. Previously on Pockets... Pockets, Petey, and Cogline ventured into the caves, where they found a wishing well. Following Petey's generous lead, Pockets decided to donate all their treasure to the well so they could have good luck and be rid of the burden of protecting the riches. Because they made an offering, the caves came alive, and Pockets, Petey, and Cogline found themselves in the mouth of a giant. The cave giants appreciated the offering and in return offered to carry them across the forest. And now for episode 5, Snail's Pace. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents The Adventures of Pockets.
butterflies danced in Pocket's stomach as Bongra the giant lowered him and his friends back down to the ground in the palm of his massive stone hand. Petey, Pockets, and Cogleen thanked the family of giants for their help and said their goodbyes. Bongra bowed and told them their offering would not be soon forgotten. Pockets watched the slouching giants lumber away through the treetops. They looked like moving mountains as they pushed through the forest. Pockets glanced around and jumped back. Whoa! He realized he was standing on the bank of a roaring river that dropped off a misty waterfall up ahead. The river and waterfall were as wide as a lake. Is it over yet? Petey cried from inside the shell. He wasn't the only one who didn't enjoy the giant's journey. Almost as soon as they'd touched down, the crabbies scurried off and hid behind some nearby trees. Cogleen poked her head into the shell. All clear. The crabbies came out of their hiding places, and Petey hesitantly emerged from the shell. He gasped when he saw the giant waterfall, and with a squeak, dove back into the shell. Oh, come on, you, Pocket said, pulling him back out by his webbed foot. The giants didn't drop us off in the river. See, we're safe on land. I'm not sure where they left us exactly, Cogleen said, taking a look around. They took us in the right direction and saved us lots of time, no doubt, but I'm not familiar with this part of Yondra. Pockets pointed into the trees. As long as we keep heading that way, it shouldn't be a problem, right? Cogleen rubbed her metal chin and looked at the forest wearily. I suppose. Off we go, then. Pockets climbed up onto the shell and grabbed the floss reins. As soon as everyone was back on the shell, he gave the reins a flick and the crabbies reluctantly dragged them into the forest. Towering pine trees passed them by as they journeyed deeper and deeper into the woods. Light shimmered from the tips of the pine needles and the smell of pine was rich in the air. Inside the shell, Petey was rocking his egg as it dangled in a blanket. Pockets pinned a drawing of the cave giants to the wall and looked at him. Why don't you just rock it in your arms? I would, Petey said, but it's getting really hot and I can hardly touch it. Really? Pockets walked over and touched the egg through the blanket. Chouch! He pulled his hand back and sucked on his finger. It's scorching! Is that normal for platypus eggs? Um, well, not this hot, no. Gah! Pocket scrunched his face. Still stinks, too. Actually, that was me, Petey admitted. It still has a funny stench about it, and that heat... I figured it was just a case of toasted gas, as we like to call it. Pockets raised an eyebrow. But this is unusually hot. I can cook an egg on this egg. It keeps doing this for a few minutes, and poof, it just cools off. Let's see just how hot it is. Pockets pulled the crayon out of his pocket and touched it to the egg. Almost instantly, the tip melted away. Wax dripped down the sides of the egg. Pockets and Petey slowly looked up at each other. Is this safe to keep on board? Pockets said uneasily. I think so. I mean, I'll make sure it is. Don't worry. As long as I've got it, it won't damage anything. 
Like that blanket? Pockets pointed to the chart outside of the blanket. Petey's shoulders slumped. Sorry about that. I'll get you a new one. Yes, you will, Pockets agreed. He turned to go back to his drawings. You practicing your ABCs? Pockets stopped and looked back at him. What are you talking about? Petey nodded to the little pieces of paper with letters on the ground. They must have fallen out of Pocket's pocket when he pulled out the crayon. Oh, those. Pocket scooped down and picked them up. No, I just found them in my pockets. Can't remember what they were for. Petey tilted his head and read them in Pockets' hand. Y-E-L. Yell. Huh. Maybe it's a reminder not to get so angry all the time. I'm not angry all the time, and yell is spelt with two L's. <whistles> Petey whistled and gave Pockets a chance to realize what had just happened. <sighs> Sorry, Pockets sighed. What I meant was, I don't think it's a reminder to keep my cool. There are a bunch of them, see? He pulled the rest of the letters out of his other pockets and showed him. They're just a bunch of random letters. I probably cut them out of a newspaper or something back home. For an instant, a fond memory flashed through Pockets' mind of him and Otis making pirate hats out of newspaper and chasing each other around the house, laughing and shouting. Probably just newspaper clippings, he mumbled again. If you say so... Hey, Pockets! Cogling called from outside. Pockets tucked the letters back into his pockets and climbed out onto the top of the shell. Take a look for yourself, Cogling said, patting the spot of shell next to her. Pockets took a seat and looked out the way she pointed. Occasionally, through the gaps in the trees, he caught a glimpse of the pebble castle in the distance. We're getting close, he said excitedly. Been practicing what you're going to say to the king? Coglin asked. Pockets realized he'd been so caught up in the journey of getting to the king that he'd totally forgotten to think through what he'd actually say when he got to the castle. I, I don't know, he laughed. Any suggestions? Hmm, how about why did you banish the cave giants? Pockets chuckled. That's a good attention grabber. But I'm pretty sure he'd have his guards throw me out by the collar. Wouldn't doubt it. Coglin's expression turned serious. Are you sure you still want to do this? I wouldn't still be here if I didn't, Pocket said, leaning back on his hands. But even after everything the cave giants told us, does the king sound like someone you'd want to go on a quest for? Does he seem like someone you'd want to help? Pockets thought for a moment. Of course he felt uneasy about helping the king after hearing about the cave giant's curse. But even so, he had to believe that this was all bigger than just one man. What if it's not about the king, he said. What if the quest is to help the king dumb? I'm sure there are plenty of people under his rule that aren't bad, such as yourself. There have been plenty of rotten kings that have ruled over good people. Maybe this quest is going to help those people. Or it's to conquer the people, Coglin suggested. What if the quest is a selfish errand that will only help the king in the end? Then I won't do it, of course. But something is calling me there. 
And it's not just a piece of paper announcing a quest. Something is pulling me through Yondra. I feel like if I don't follow it, I'll be lost. He looked into Coglin's metal face. If you're so worried about the king, why are you still offering to help? Coglin fiddled with her gears. You helped me. It would only be fair if... Don't give me that rubbish. If you really hated the king, that wouldn't matter, would it? Coglin tapped her shiny feet together. I don't know much about the king, but what I've heard seems to be enough to not want to help him. But you, I feel a pull to follow you. When you are made to serve one purpose, and that purpose isn't fulfilled, she looked off into the trees. There aren't many coggers that need to get access to the castle, so back home I don't ever seem to know how to help. Everyone is serving their purpose within Cogtown, but no matter how hard I try, I just can't seem to fit in. Fit in? Good one. Pocket smiled. Nobody's made for just one purpose, Coglin. We're all meant to help in many ways. Did you see how you fought those crazy chickens back in Bok Bok's camp? Those little metal arms were whacking hens left and right. I practically got lost in all the feathers. He and Coglin laughed. I suppose I did help a little there, Coglin admitted. Let's just hope the king isn't as rotten as the giants made him sound. And hopefully this quest has something to do with putting an end to Tuga and setting my people free once and for all. May Yondra's magic be in our favor. Yondra's magic? All the magic on Yondra serves a purpose. It's always at work, ensuring there is a balance throughout the land. From the coggers to the cave giants, even to the crabbies. She nodded to the scurrying blue crabs ahead of them. Everyone was meant to work together for the good of Yondra, but things have been out of sorts for some time. Ever since Tuga set out on his quest for power, things haven't been the same. Fear plagues our world, but it doesn't sound like the king has helped things much either. Do you think it was Yondra's magic that brought me here? Pockets asked. Coglin smiled. I do. I think there is a very special magic at work here, and the purpose of the magic surrounding you is to bring peace once again to our land. Pocket's eyebrows shot up. Me? Restore peace in Yondra? Sounds like your expectations are a bit high. Pockets wasn't sure he wanted such a responsibility. He had hoped, of course, that the King's Quest would help people, but the idea of saving Yondra sounded overwhelming. Coglin noticed the worry in his face and nodded to the plants around the shell. As they passed, the plants retracted into the ground and then slowly sprang back up and bloomed flowers. What do you see? Pockets watched the plants spring in and out of the ground, many blooming colorful flowers in waves. I see flowers that aren't sure if they want to bloom or not, or they're just afraid of us. The shy bloomies may appear to be nothing more than a decoration, Coglin said. But many years ago, it was their magical pollen that put an end to the Nakurba, a foul rat people that tried to take over Yondra. They were nearly successful until a strong wind blew the pollen across the land and choked off the last of the Nakurba armies. Funny thing was, apart from getting the sniffles, everyone else was immune to the pollen. Pockets looked at the shy bloomies with a newfound respect. 
one sprang up out of the ground next to him as they passed, and he watched a giant purple flower bloom with a smaller yellow flower blooming in its center. Yondra's magic, Cogling continued, can be large and powerful like the cave giants, or small and subtle like these shy bloomies. Sometimes Yondra prefers to use small, simple things to accomplish great tasks. She nudged Pockets and grinned. Don't underestimate the little bloomies. Pockets thought about that until the shell suddenly came to a stop. What's wrong? Pockets said, hopping off the shell. It's the holes, sir, said one of the crabbies. The holes? Pockets looked out at the forest floor and noticed hundreds of small holes in the ground. Petey stepped out of the shell and yawned. Are we there? Nope, Cogleen said, hopping down next to Pockets. Just stopping to look at some holes. Oh, that's nice, Petey said with another yawn. Pockets folded his arms. What are they for? Rodents? You crabbies scared of some mice? They're blowholes, said another crabby. Blow you right off your feet. Pockets rolled his eyes and walked over one of the holes. Oh, please, it can't be that bad. <laughs> a burst of air blew up out of the little hole and sent Pockets flying. He spun a few times before landing with a thud. Goof! Blimey! Those are strong, he said, getting to his feet and rubbing his backside. We'll have to make a run for it, Cogleen said, getting in position. Or we could just ride it out in the shell, Pocket said, pointing behind him. Cogleen raised her shiny eyebrows. Let's make it a race, shall we? You oafs in the shell, me on foot. You're on. Does that mean we have to run over the holes? groaned one of the crabbies. You bet it does, Pocket said, hopping back onto the shell and grabbing the reins. Petey climbed back in and held on. Careful not to crack me egg. Easy does it. Pockets looked down at Cogleen, who was in the ready position. On your mark, get set, go! Cogleen's gears spun and her metal legs took off. Pockets flicked the floss reins and sent the crabbies scurrying over the holes. A few of the crabbies were blown into the air, and the shell tossed side to side as blowholes blasted air beneath the shell. Ha <laughs> ha! Pockets laughed. I'm gonna be sick, moaned Petey, who was rolling around inside the shell, his hot egg rolling around next to him. A blowhole blasted off right under Cogleen's foot. She screamed and did a cartwheel through the air before bonking into the shell. But before the shell could get too far ahead, she hopped back up, spun her gears, and bolted. With clinks and clanks, she hopped side to side, dodging the bursts of air until they reached the end of the blowholes. Winner! Cogleen shouted, throwing up her little arms. Winner my foot, Pocket said. The crabbies clearly passed the holes before you. You had to get the shell over the holes, not the crabbies, Cogleen shot back. Well, isn't that a convenient rule? Guys, guys! Petey stumbled out and looked like he was about to puke. We're all winners. Not us, a crabby barked. We're not getting paid enough for this, shouted another. Yeah, the other crabbies agreed. A buck-toothed blue crab bared its claw. 
running from Toga and his gizzards, fleeing a bunch of crazy chickens, being eaten by giants. Now this, I want an advance on my payment. The rest of the Krabbies clicked their claws in agreement. Pockets, Petey and Cogline exchanged a worried look. What is it? One of the Krabbies said. You still have the loot, don't you? Actually... Pockets scratched his head. We may have offered it all to the cave giants. There was a long pause, and then the Krabbies erupted. Hey, 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 money doesn't buy happiness, Pity said, but that didn't help things. The Krabbies grew even more angry. Pockets looked at Cogline. I totally forgot we owed them treasure, he whispered. I dragged the treasure out of the shell while they were asleep in the caves. Oh, I must have been too caught up in the moment to think of it. That's it, we're out of here, a Krabby shouted. Yeah, the other Krabbies cried. Pockets panicked. He rummaged through his pockets to see if there was anything he could offer, anything he could do. But none of his trinkets were nearly as valuable as all of the Pella pirate treasure. What was he thinking? How had he forgotten about his deal with the Krabbies? Now listen here, you moaning crabheads, Cogline bellowed. The Krabbies fell silent. I know you started this journey because you wanted to get your greedy blue claws all over that treasure. But what good's a load of loot gonna do ya if Tuga's taken over all of Yondra? Try spending treasure from a crab cage hanging over the village, or from the boiling pot of his dinner feasts. There were a few grumbles from the group. We plan to stop him. Um, Cograin? Pockets tapped her on the shoulder. Maybe we shouldn't tell them. I mean, we don't really know if... Cogline ignored him and carried on. Can you put aside your petty wants and look into your crusty crustacean hearts for a better reason to help us? Petey threw his fist into the air. Do it for Yondra! Yeah, said a handful of crabbies. For Yondra! Save Yondra! The others joined in. To Pocket's relief, that seemed to settle it. As the crabbies went back to pulling the shell, he slowly looked at Cogline, impressed. Told you you serve more than one purpose. I suppose, Cogline smiled. The now determined crabbies pulled the shell deeper into the pine forest, past a few more blowholes and several more shy bloomies. From atop the shell, Pockets watched the crabby's skinny little legs scurry over the leaves, roots, and rocks. Their claws clipped overgrown shrubs that stood in their way. Their complaints had turned to mumbles of determination. After a while, Pockets noticed that their legs were moving slower. At first, he just assumed the big crabs were growing tired. It had been a long journey, after all, and their big shells had to weigh a lot. But before long, the legs were moving abnormally slow, and the crabby's speech became slow and slurred when they talked to each other. What's the matter with you? Pocket said, giving the floss reins a hot flick. But the crabby still slogged along. Cogline, Petey! Cogline and Petey poked their heads out of the shell. Something's wrong with the crabbies. That's odd, Cogline said. Did you give the reins a hot flick? I did. 
They're moving really slow, Petey said. Don't worry, I'll get them to pick up the pace. He hopped out of the shell before Coglin could stop him. Petey, wait, she cried. But it was too late. Petey landed on the ground and immediately started moving slowly. It was as if they were watching time slow down. Petey's stumbling steps were impossibly slow. His hands inched through the air. His body fell slowly. His goofy expression gradually morphed to shock and horror. Stop! Pockets pulled on the reins and the Krabbies came to a crawling stop. Petey! Coglin reached out to pull Petey back into the shell, but he was already well into his slow motion tumble and was out of reach. Coglin stared at the ground in horror. It's snail slime! Look, it's all over everything! Pockets hopped down to the shell opening to get a better look. Sure enough, there was a thin, clear layer of slime all over the forest floor. You could only tell it was there from the sun's glistening reflection on the surface and the tiny gooey tracks left behind by the crabbies. One touch of slogger snail slime and your whole body slows down, Coglin said. In front of them, Petey was continuing his tumble in slow motion, rolling across the ground like a tumbleweed caught in a gentle breeze. Someone must have set up a slogger snail trap to keep outsiders away, Coglin said. They're all over the place. She pointed to the countless tiny snails creeping up the surrounding trees. Each had a different color spotted shell. Maybe the king set this trap to slow down Tuga, Pockets wondered aloud. Now that we're getting closer to the castle, I imagine we'll run into more traps like this. They heard a groan coming from up ahead. Pockets squinted at the strange wiggling object beyond the crabbies. Someone's stuck in the slime. Coglin squinted up ahead. They're completely covered in slime, and it looks like they're trapped by a log. We'll worry about them after we get Petey, Pockets said. He fished around in his pockets, looking for some kind of trinket that could help. He pulled out the yo-yo. Looping the string around his finger, he swung it out towards Petey. After a couple of attempts, the string wrapped around Petey's leg and Pockets yanked back hard. Petey's mouth slowly turned down into a frown as his leg was pulled out from under him in slow motion. He moaned, his face gliding down to the ground, slowly smushing into it, and then was pulled back towards the shell. Pockets could feel the extra pull of the snail slime. I need some help! Coglin hopped behind him, grabbed on, and with gears spinning, helped him pull Petey back to safety. As each of Petey's limbs creeped over the threshold of the shell's opening, they started moving at normal speed, until Petey's dirt-covered duck-billed face was finally pulled off the ground. My face feels funny. Petey said with a drooping mouth. There was another muffled cry for help from the trapped person up ahead. Pockets looked around the forest, then down at his pockets. His mind was at work, thinking about what he could use from the forest along with his trinkets to come up with a tool. After several seconds, he had it. With a great arching throw, he swung the yo-yo over a long skinny tree branch overhead. 
Once it was wrapped around a few times, he yanked down hard, snapping the branch off the tree and making it land next to him on the shell. Then, taking out the floss from another pocket, he tied a long strand to the end of the branch and cut the string. Using some tape, he reinforced the knot he tied at the end of the branch so that it was nice and strong. Then he pulled apart the paper clip from another pocket so that it made a hook and tied it to the other end of the string. Next, Petey and Coglin watched him take out his gum, chew it up, and stick the chewed up wad onto the paperclip hook. By the end, they were looking at a very ugly but very sturdy fishing pole. Hold tight to the reins, Pockets instructed, and immediately Coglin and Petey grabbed hold of the floss reins and pulled them tight. Holding his fishing pole out for balance, Pockets carefully stepped out over the reins and onto a dozen bundled strands of floss, pulled tight between the stuck crabbies and Petey and Coglin. Even with a dozen strands, the floss was incredibly difficult to balance on. Pockets wobbled with every step. He glanced nervously down at the nearly invisible snail slime. If he fell, he would turn into a slogging mess. Could he trust Petey and Coglin to be able to get him out? He shot a quick look at the little colorful snails creeping along the trees. The cute little creatures were clearly oblivious to the torment they were putting him through. You can do it, Pockets, Petey called out. The effort of such a shout nearly made him lose his grip on the floss, making Pockets lose his footing and wobble side to side. For several seconds, Pockets looked as though he were trying to shake a bunch of ants out of his pajamas. Coglin held her breath. After a few more wiggles, Pockets regained his balance and glared back at Petey. Quiet, you! Sorry! Shh! Okay, shh! Shaking his head, Pockets continued his wobbly walk across the reins until he was able to hop onto one of the crabby's shells. One leap at a time, he jumped from blue shell to blue shell until he was standing on top of the leading crabby. Its goofy antenna eyes slowly swiveled to look back at him. In slow motion, the crabby reached up with its claw to get the boy off of him. But Pockets quickly pulled out his rubber band and put it over the claw, holding it shut. Don't worry, Pockets told him. This won't take long. He studied the person that was now only several feet ahead of him, covered in snail slime and trapped under a log. It took many attempts, but finally, after one perfect cast, the fishing hook caught a hole in the log, and Pockets yanked back on the line with all his might. Slowly, the log rolled off the creature and peeled away some of the snail slime with it. A hand raised in the air. Pockets quickly pulled a wristwatch out of a pocket, tied it to the end of the fishing line, and cast the line a few more times until the outstretched hand could grab it. Again, Pockets pulled and pulled and pulled until slowly the creature was peeled away from the slimy ground and dragged back to the crabbies. As soon as it was in reach, Pockets grabbed the creature's outstretched hand and pulled it up onto the crabby. Getting to its feet and slowly shaking off snail slime, the creature stood before Pockets at full stature. It was tall, strong, and green. A gizzard! Coglin's voice shouted behind him. Pockets felt his whole body freeze up, 
petrified, he looked the creature up and down. He gaped when he saw what the giant lizard was wearing. A tattered pair of yellow pajamas covered in pockets. Pockets pointed at them. Where did you get those? Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Pockets. Yandra is such a wild place. I had it like a daydream of these cool plants popping in and out of the ground and this weird slime that you could barely see that slowed everything down. Uh, I just had to put it in it. I thought, you know what? This is a Yandra thing. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thank you, Mom, Roxanne Webb, for looking it over and cleaning it up. And I want to thank our patrons, Zach and his mom, Tracy, who live in Istanbul, Turkey. How cool is that? Thinking about Rocketeers listening from the other side of the planet blows my mind. And the fact that, you know, a wide variety of kids from different cultures and places can just connect through fun stories, fun adventures. It just shows that like storytelling, Rocketeers is such a cool universal language and I think it's a good skill to develop. So you should practice telling stories to each other, to your siblings, to your parents. Maybe you, Rocketeers, could tell a bedtime story to your parents. That'd be That's a cool challenge. You should try that out. But Zach and your mom, Tracy, thank you so much for your support. Zach said that he listens while his mom's asleep on weekends, but he's only allowed to listen to episodes that we've already listened to because mom wants to listen to the episodes too. <laughs> Which is awesome. Oh, man. Tracy, I love it. I love it. I'm glad you're, you're enjoying the stories, too. That's fun. I also want to give a shout-out to Mendy and her daughters Meadow, Everest, and Rivi, or Riviera. All these girls listening to these stories. I love it. And the feedback was that you guys are a pretty screen-free home, which is awesome. We try to be a screen-free home uh, as much as possible. Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're working on that. Um, but that's what I love about podcasts. And obviously, that's been working out for your family using these stories to help get you guys less screen time, get you away from that screen that zombifies everybody. And I love hearing that Meadow, Everest, and Rivi uh, like to listen together. These sister, these three sisters listening together. Just I have three sisters. Uh, my sisters Ashley, Carly, and Maddie, who I'm really close to. They're incredible. And growing up with three sisters, it teaches you a lot. And sisters are really special. And I, I grew up watching those movies with strong girl characters like Little Women. My sisters loved that. My wife Sarah loves Little Women. And uh, anyway, just now we're around the holidays, and my wife had that playing uh, the other day in the background while we were doing something, and it just uh, I don't know made me think of Meadow Everest and Rivi sisters, strong sisters, um, listening to these stories and just. Being a team, I love it. I love it, I love it. We got some Apple reviews I wanted to go over. This one is from Nesh and Spark. It says 10 out of five stars, y'all. 
I love it, y'all. We lived in Texas, so it's nice to hear y'all again. It says, Greg Webb writes and performs every story on this podcast, and he is so incredibly talented. That's very kind of you to say thank you. That's sweet. His character voices are unique and funny, and the sound design is beautiful, and the stories themselves are intricate and captivating for both kids and adults. Sometimes I sneak and listen to a new episode before I share it with my kid because I can't wait to find out what happens next. Greg is so good at cliffhangers. And then it goes on to say, this is what my kid wants to add. And there are a bunch of stars. There were a lot of emojis, some stars, some cool symbols. Uh, there are some cool Jewish symbols. I think I, I think I see the Star of David. I think that's a menorah, the candelabra that's used during Hanukkah. Uh, so cool. If if that is the case, if you're Jewish, happy Hanukkah and happy Hanukkah to to any other Rocketeers out there. All of all of those Jewish listeners, I love it. I hope you have an amazing holiday season, um, celebrating Hanukkah and a, and a Merry Christmas to those celebrating Christmas. There is a holiday episode up on um, Patreon. In case you're wondering, this year I didn't get around to doing a, a holiday episode on the main part of the podcast, but Patreon, you can hear a Magic Hat holiday episode that I told to my kids before bedtime. But anyway, Nesh and Spark, if I am interpreting your emojis correctly, happy Hanukkah. If not, happy Hanukkah. This Apple review is from Isabella, age 10, and it says, This is a million percent amazing. Me, my mom, my horse riding teacher, and her horses went to the Jingle Bell Horse Show in San Diego. The first event I was in was In Hand, where we had to hold the horse with a lead line and run around the arena. I got sixth place, and there were eight people. When we were going to the next show, I was supposed to be riding in, My horse, Aria, didn't want to be separated from her Aunt Allegra, so when we got about a hundred feet away from her, Aria galloped all the way back and I almost fell off, but I held on until she stopped. Wow, this is intense. After I got off, I was shaking really hard, and I listened to this podcast and it really helped. Oh, Isabella, wow, I'm glad you're okay. It sounds like you have an incredible hobby. Horse riding, that is, that's like my wife's dream. She loves horses and she would love that. It sounds like you had a pretty close call there and I'm glad you're okay. And I'm really glad that the podcast helped calm you down. Thank you so much for sharing, Isabella. That's really cool. Rocketeers, I love it. These reviews, everything. You guys are being so kind. I love hearing that you're sharing these with the friends and family. Most importantly, I just love that when parents can connect with their kids over these stories and listen together. That's the real magic right there is that you're getting to spend time together. There's nothing that's more important than moms, dads, kids, grandparents that we're spending time together and strengthening our relationship with one another. And I hope that really, really becomes a focus uh, during this holiday season. It's a season of love, Uh, whatever, Whatever tradition you celebrate, whatever your religious background is, I think the common theme is that we're expressing gratitude and we're loving and lifting everyone up around us, that we're serving each other. That's what I love about this time of year is people tend to try to get out of themselves to go knock on their neighbor's door if it's been a long time and take them a plate of cookies, uh, shovel their driveway. Uh, These are all reminders for myself, by the way. My wife, Sarah, is so much better than I am at this kind of stuff. She's such a great example for it. 
And you Rocketeers can also be a great example. Write a nice note, a holiday card or something for somebody and just whatever it is, even if you don't celebrate any holidays on this time, it's a good reminder going into the new year that we need to have more love and be serving others. We're all one big happy family on this earth and we need to treat each other that way. So I'm so grateful for this Rocketeer family. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for checking back. And you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash purple rocket podcast, get some bonus stories, some ad free episodes. So check it out and we'll see you next time. Rocketeers. This is your host, Greg Webb.